Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see all of you. Please turn your Bibles to the New Testament. John's Gospel, John chapter 3 is where we're going to be at today. John chapter 3 in the New Testament. Also, there are sermon notes on your um, Nova Community Church app, or you can go to novachurch.org for those sermon notes. And there's uh, some quotes on there and some scriptures that you'll want to follow along with today. Have you ever experienced the anticipation of waiting, waiting for someone or, or something? Maybe it was, I think we've all experienced this, the night before the first day of school. You remember that? That feeling of excitement or nervousness or dread or, or whatever that would be on the night before the first day of school. Or maybe you've experienced or you've watched someone experience a baby tooth that's loose. And you know, you get that tooth and you work it back and forth and you move it around with your tongue and you try to loosen that. And then even, I don't know if you've ever had this, but even it's just hanging by a thread and you're kind of spinning it around in your mouth. And finally, finally it breaks free. That anticipation of that. Or maybe uh, you're going to take a flight out and for one reason or another traffic or you're running late or whatever and you get to the airport and TSA line just seems to be so long and and you finally get your shoes back on after the TSA line and then you to make a dash for the departure gate in that anticipation of all of that or maybe some of you have experienced this just maybe a few of you but that long silent moment that seems like an eternity when you pop the question and you ask, will you marry me? And it maybe is not that long of a gap between the answer and the question, but it seems like forever. And finally, someone, not someone, uh, your loved one says yes. And for most of us, I think most of us have experienced in one way or another the anticipation of a Christmas morning when you get up and you're laying in bed and you're thinking, this is it. Now, what do they all have in common? All of those and more moments of anticipation. What do they all have in common? Advent. And Advent comes from the Latin word adventus. And it simply means the arrival or the coming or anticipation. And in our new four-week sermon series, on Advent, we're going to discover, we're going to take a look at four, four themes, hope, peace, joy, and love that Jesus brought into our world. And our hearts are mind, and minds are preparing for the arrival of the true meaning of Christmas. And to help us prepare our hearts for the Advent of Christmas, we put together a devotional. And it looks like this in the hard copy. It'll look like this on your digital copy also. And the people of Nova have written an Advent devotional. It's a one-of-a-kind, one-of-a-kind devotional that follows the four themes of Advent. And today's message is on hope. And then starting tomorrow, every day there's a reading. And starting tomorrow, we'll read a daily devotional together. We'll all read the same scripture and the same meditation on this. And it's going to be on the topic of hope. It'll go for six days. And then next Sunday, we're going to have 
our theme of peace. And so our sermon's going to be about peace, and then we'll have six days of reading about peace, and we'll go on and on. And a few hard copies are available at the Information Center, and it's available, it's available digitally on your Nova Community Church app and on the website. It can be sent right to your email inbox early in the morning, so when you wake up and you open your, your, up your email, you'll find that day's reading there. And it's, it's made to share with others. You can get this and you can download it to your Kindle or your friend's Kindle, your co-workers or your family's uh, um, desktop, and, and you could get that going and they can follow along with us the whole way. Week two will be about peace. Week three will be about joy. And then week four, Christmas week, will be all about love. It's in the Gospel of John. It's in John's Gospel in chapter three, however, when Jesus shows up for the Christmas story. There's been 400 years of long silence where God has not spoken to his people. The Bible begins with a powerful story of creation. And then this narrative of the Exodus where God establishes his people, the Israelites. And then there's this bondage under the brutal hand of the Egyptians. And then Moses leads them out of slavery in the oppression of slavery. And God's people wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Then theocracy rules. But the people rebel, rebel, and mostly wicked and corrupt kings lead them during this time. And God speaks to his people through a series of, 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 uh, of his words through the prophets. And God, God's prophets have the same unifying message of resistance and of hope. And they say there will, be a, there will come a time when God sends a rescuer and he will save their people the people from their sins. And what permeates the entire narrative of the Old Testament is a message of hope. It's what is to come. It's a profound sense of confidence. And even though some parts of life may seem dismal and discouraging, there is a glimmer of what will be. And after the prophets bring this message of hope, everyone has been waiting 400 years in Advent or anticipation for the coming king. The New Testament Gospels of Matthew and Luke bring the story of Jesus, and Jesus begins, the story of Jesus begins in a manger. In the Gospel of John in chapter 3, we see, we see a story of power and of hope in the words of Jesus. But before we get to our text today, we're going to take a look at today's sermon on hope, and we're going to call just the hope of Advent, and we're going to ask four questions. The first question is this, what does hope what does hope mean to you? Hope is interesting because hope is just a placeholder for what you put your hope in or what you're hopeful for. In your notes, there's this statement of hope, and it, it says, hope is the belief that if, and then there's this blank, hope is the belief that if, blank, I will be satisfied and content. And in that blank, you can put whatever you want in that blank. If you have the, the confidence or in a promise or a futuristic idea that if that comes to pass, then I'll be satisfied and content. Maybe you have a social hope. You have a hope for humanity. Or maybe you have a personal hope that will lead you to contentment and satisfaction. Hope, hope makes our lives worthwhile. Hope makes life livable. And if you live for the here and now, people tend to be self-indulgent or 
self-focused or self-centered or self-selfish. Therefore, if you want to live a life of passion and confidence, you've got to find a hope that's outside of yourself, not something that's all about you. Second question we can ask here is this. Do you think, do you think that we are in an epidemic of hopelessness? Do you think we're in an epidemic of hopelessness right now? Psalm chapter, Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. In our world, I think we have this crisis of hopelessness or this epidemic of hopelessness. In our Western world, we have this thought as, as, as we see advances in technology or in medicine or in sciences, that our lives can be so much more. and We can put our hope in that. And the promise was, if we have all of these advances, our lives would become just more simple and maybe more easy, more protected, and just all around amazing if we put our hope in these things. In the intellectual and philosophical movement centuries ago, called the Age of Enlightenment, included a range of ideas centered on the value of human happiness and the pursuit of knowledge. Friedrich Nietzsche, or Nietzsche, in a 19th century philosopher, he said these famous words that I think, I think you've heard before. This quote is in your notes. He, he says, God is dead. God remains dead. And we have killed him. So how shall we, murderers of all murderers, console ourselves? Who will wipe this blood off of us? With what water will we purify ourselves? There has never been a greater deed done. And whosoever shall be born after us, for the sake of this deed, he shall be part of a higher history than all history hitherto. God is dead, is what Friedrich Nietzsche said. And Nietzsche is saying here, he's saying, if we want to experience this life in the best way possible, you have to get rid of those primal beliefs about God. And he says, you know, we've done it. We've actually done it. Modern science has gotten rid of God and put religion on the fringes of our society and our culture. And Nietzsche says this, the more we get rid of God, the more we'll usher in this new season of vigor and vitality in humanity. Nietzsche's hope was in all of that. And if we get rid of the God conversation, then we'll be satisfied and content, is what Nietzsche said. It kind of goes like this, using that statement of hope. Hope is the belief that if technology and sciences advance, I will be satisfied and content. I remember, it was a long time ago, and I was a kid, and, and my brothers and sisters, they were older than me, we were in our home, and I remember sitting in our family room where we had this TV, this console TV, and this wooden deal, huge TV, thick TV, not those thin ones we have now. My brother says to my dad, he says, that one day soon, he says to my dad, every house, one day soon, every house will have one of these, and he kind of does this with his hands, like this box that'll sit right next to the TV. 
And in that box, we don't have to rely on the antenna that's on top of our house to watch these TV programs. That there'll be a little cassette that we could put in this box and our TV will show movies and TV shows and even we'll ha each have a, 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 a camera, a video camera that we could record things on this cassette this, and we'll put it in that box and it'll show everything on that TV. And every home is going to have one of these boxes. And my dad just laughs, laughs. And I thought, could it be? Could that happen one day? That every home would have one of these VCRs, video cassette recorders? And for those of you who are young, it was pre-DVDs pre and pre-streaming and all of that. And that was our hope that we would have this incredible entertainment opportunity. I remember here, right here on the, on the plaza a few years ago, there was a, a, not a toddler, a little bit older than a toddler, pre-K kid, and, and there was a photo album that uh, someone was showing the mom, and the kid was like, let me see, let me see, and they brought the photo album down, and there was like a, a photo, just like this, in that photo album, and that kid was looking at it, and he was trying to make it get bigger. <laughs> right? See, if we have this hope and belief that as technology advances, then I'll be content. Then I'll be satisfied with my whole life. And while technology gives us the promise that life will be easier and more advanced, we've also become busier because of that. And our minds have this tendency to be filled up with sometimes filth and sometimes junk, but not always redeeming things. While technology gives us all of this, and maybe even we think about what's happening on our smartphones, and all of our buying can be done on our app. We can shop from what's in our hand. Not just shop, but if I'm hungry, I could just order a pizza. Or more than that, they can get my Chipotle order just the way I want it. And it will be delivered to me in about 20 minutes. And this instant access has brought this, this, this newness and this, 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 uh, this ease of living. But it's also brought profound evils at the touch of a screen. We have current signs of hopelessness today. You know that marriage rates are just plummeting. Because young people who are in love, they're thinking, why should I tie the knot? We'll just end up in divorce like my parents. You know that suicide is on, is on the rise? It's, it has been rising for the last 25 years, maybe even more than that. But in the last seven years, the rate of suicide has doubled. Birth rates are lower than they've ever been because couples who are in love don't want to bring up kids in such a messed up world. And so we think, wow, everything seems to be going in the wrong direction. And in the middle of all of this hopelessness, it's like the people, it's like what the people of the Old Testament might have felt. We say things like, God, come quickly. We need you. Or where is our rescuer? Or we cry out, God, save us. And under a cold, 
dark starry night in the ancient Near East, in a little forgotten town of Bethlehem, in a carved out rock hewn cave, in a feeding trough, a newborn screams his first breath and enters the world and brings new life and new hope for all humanity. This Advent season for us is a call for us to renew our hope in the Savior, a baby that grew up, lived a perfect life, proclaimed the kingdom of God, died a perfect death, took my place on the cross, and was resurrected, and by doing so, gave me hope of eternal life. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, and all these other things. But we're going to trust in the name of the Lord our God. Third question we can ask in this Advent season, in this topic of hope, is, is your hope good enough? Let's turn to our text in John chapter 3. It's the account of the encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus. And Nicodemus's his belief, his, his hope it was, if I'm good enough, then I'll be satisfied and content. And Jesus, the hope of the world, comes into the picture to say a word to Nicodemus. Take a look at verse 1 in John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. That's where we get Nick at night, right? Okay. And he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Jesus presents this new concept to Nick. And Nicodemus is asking, What must I do for this? And what must I do to be satisfied and content? How good do I have to be? And Jesus says, You must be born again. Now, Nicodemus is confused at, at, at this point because he starts to do the math. Maybe he's an older guy. Well, he is an older guy. And he asks, do you want me to be born again? Verse 4, how can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Nick's confused here. He's Israel's teacher. He should know this, and he's probably a little embarrassed. Verse 5, and Jesus answers, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless, unless they are born of water and the Spirit. And in the middle of this text, Jesus presents to Nicodemus what we know today as the most famous verse in the Bible in verse 16. John chapter 3, 16. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And this is the hope that we cling to. This is the hope that God offers us. There are so many things that we can take that statement of hope and we we, there's so many things that we seek to fill that blank so that we can be satisfied and content. These things promise you hope and they cry out to fill in the blank with a person, 
or popularity or riches or home ownership or achievements or knowledge or health, then one day we'll be satisfied and content if we get these things. And Jesus says, you've got it all wrong. The things of this world do not offer you real and true and sustainable, meaningful and lasting hope. This is a hope that's eternal, and it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. That statement of hope is, hope is the belief that if I surrender my life to Jesus, I will be satisfied and content. And during Advent, we affirm and celebrate the hope that came here and came near to us. Last question, fourth question is this, why should I hope in Jesus? We started today by asking the question, what does hope mean to you? And then we asked, is there an epidemic of hopelessness? And is your hope good enough? And as we close, let me ask you, why should you put your hope in Jesus? And there's three reasons that I came up with. They're past and present and future. And the, the first is this, hope in Jesus informs my past hurts in disappointment to allow me to move on. If something or someone in my past has disappointed me or hurt me or traumatized me, I need the hope of God that he'll make all things new. Take a look at Revelation chapter 21. It says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who, has, who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So I don't have to be vengeful. I don't have to have this past have a hold on me. God can take that pain, and he can make me new, and he can make me better for his glory. It informs our past hurts and and disappointments. The second thing that if we put our hope in Jesus is hope in Jesus informs my present circumstances. What's going on right now and today? So why should we stick it out? And why should we see this season through? And why should we not quit on that committed relationship? It's because there's hope to come that will make sense out of all of the madness that we're experiencing today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. For I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. See, one day, all of the confusion and all these things will be sorted out as we see God face to face in the clarity of Jesus Christ. And this will give me the power, this hope will give me the power to persevere through my present circumstances and give me this, uh, this, this future confidence. Because hope in Jesus, the third, informs my future confidence. Why can we keep getting up in the morning and be confident that things will be better? Because we know that one day in Revelation chapter 21, that he will wipe away every tear. There'll be no more death. No more mourning. Because he who's seated on this throne says, I'm going to make everything new. Because God tells us that there will be a day where the old is past. We can be confident of this future. But Jesus said this, Very truly I tell you, 
No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Let's pray together.